Anyways, no, I love you, bud. Father, thank you for Kim, Lord. Thank you for just the great friend he is to us, Lord. Thank you for his heart for your kingdom. Yeah, for, for the anointing that you've put on him, Lord, for just the growth yeah, that you grow him daily, Lord, uh, to be a man who follows your heart. And Lord, we want to receive him um, with open hearts, open hands, Father, tonight, Lord, as he shares the word with us, Lord, that your, your spirit will just yes. concrete what you have already started to say through the prophetic pictures. And so, yeah, we love, we love Kim, Lord. Thank you for just the privilege it is to have him here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's awesome. I was uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's so nice to be uh, with you guys again. Happy New Year! I haven't seen you this whole year. It seems like forever. Um, I was uh, forced to take leave in December, and initially I was quite offended by the idea of having being forced to take leave, but I realized when I was on leave just how much I needed it. Uh, I was saying to Adam a little bit early on, I got three very good books I needed to read, and every day as I got down to the bottom of the first page, I fell asleep for about three hours. I haven't finished the first chapter of any book that I had. also started a painting. I got halfway through. Now I'm waiting for time off so I can complete the painting, So, but it was... Uh, a wonderful rest, and, and I realized just how much I needed it, but it's great to be back, so it's wonderful seeing you and seeing this awesome family again. And Brett, well done, you lead so well, and this congregation is doing so well under your inspired leadership. It's awesome, man, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Building a great team around you, it's amazing. So how many of you guys are nervous about what Brett's been saying to you guys? This year, yeah, yeah, check, some hands are going up, come be honest. No, you, we don't know where we're going to go this year. God's going to do strange, mighty, and interesting things this year. I've got no cooking clue what's going to happen tomorrow. And when I stood up here, I was going to apologize for wearing shorts because it's the first time since I became a Christian that I actually thought I'd see myself in a, in a, behind a pulpit on a Sunday evening preaching in shorts and sandals. Because our dress code on a Sunday is that you should never wear shorts. You can wear flip-flops, but you should wear out of respect for the people that are here, the diverse age groups. I'm verging on the latter part. So I was going to apologize, but during worship, the Lord spoke to me and he said, no, I'm not interested in what you look like. He said, I want to, what's in your heart? What's in the people's hearts right now? Are the people's hearts ready to receive? Uh, do they want to run this race and this unpredictable journey that I've got in store for them? And there was a TV program, uh, believe it or not, I actually used to watch it. It was called Project Runway. And uh, Heidi Klum is one of the reasons why I watched it. Because <laughs> no, it was a, it's about uh, these uh, weird people that create fashion. And uh, they had a whole lot of contestants, and they used to whittle them out until eventually whoever was the winner, they won a million dollars at the end of the show because they created the best designs, and they got coverage on the various fashion uh, magazines like Vogue, etc., and they got contracts with major uh, brands and so forth. So the only reason why I watched it was because I was interested in fashion. 
But she had a statement that when uh, the people came out with, on Project Runway and they stood there, all their uh, interns or all their appies, whatever you want to call them, she said, you know, fashion is like this. Either you are in one day and you could be out the next day. So what's in fashion today might be completely out of fashion tomorrow. And for us as Christians, I feel that for some of us, we are skating along that line. That for today, we're in Christianity, and tomorrow we're out of Christianity. And that's going to be what I'm going to build this preach around today. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to pray quickly. Father, I thank you for this time. I want to lift your name up, that you receive all the glory. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you that you are present amongst us here this evening. I thank you, Lord, that you go before us. You prepare our hearts, Lord. And as we wait on you now, I just pray, Lord, that everybody receives this message, that they will hear these words. And I know, Lord, that your word is like a double-edged sword that cuts through flesh, through muscles, through tendons, through sinew, and through bone, right to the heart. And I pray, Lord, that as we go here, that we are able to reflect, just hearing some of these prophetic words, the word that Abby brought, I was so spot on, Lord, um, that the people will take note, take heed of this, and say, Lord, I want to be in, not out. I want to be in with you, Lord, not out. Amen. So one of the key things that we've noticed is that with COVID and the, some of you wearing masks, well done. The rest of you are not wearing masks. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that England, Ireland, Israel now uh, have all said no more masks, no more mandates, no more vaccines. So we're hoping that by March, April, our government will say no more masks, no more vaccines, because it doesn't work. It's one of the biggest hoaxes in life, which is amazing. But I don't want to go down that road now, because we get all politicized and say, oh! Um, but the, the thing with COVID and the impact of wearing masks is that you know, it forced us into a place, created a culture of us becoming like a holy huddle, we become insular, we become uh, like so self-absorbed and, you know, I don't want to get out, I don't want to go anywhere, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, um, you know, I can't go and hug somebody because, you know, I could be a COVID or they could have COVID or something like that. Now, despite being vaccinated, you can still get Omicron and you can still be a super spreader, even if you're wearing a mask. Even if you've had the, had the uh, COVID uh, virus, even if you've been vaccinated, triple vaccinated with the booster shots, you can still spread COVID. Now the world has realized through the World Health Organization and major scientists throughout the world that they're saying actually herd immunity is arguably, like South Africa, the best example of how to deal with COVID because we have the least amount of people in our population vaccinated. But yet, we're doing all right. Our death rates, hospitals are low and empty, which is absolutely amazing. And with Brett honoring Victor and Lorinda, I saw her and Glenn uh, jazz at the uh, eldest camp, serving away. It was amazing. It reminded me of where we're going to go with this preach. Uh, I will be sp speaking about Abram. We later became Abram and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. 
and uh, how close we skate on those lines as well. And uh, the interesting thing is, when Abraham at that stage, standing there with Lot, he looked to the land in front of him and he said, listen, you choose, Lot, where you want to go. If you choose to go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. So Lot, like most of us would do, is like, let me check this out. Which is going to be the best for me? And he surveyed the land and he saw the land that stretched out towards Sodom. And it looked like the Garden of Eden. Lush green water. And he said, I'll choose that. And Abraham said, okay, that's cool. You choose that, I'll take this road. The interesting thing, immediately after he did that, when he got back to his camp, God appeared to him again and spoke to him and blessed him. Blessed him incredibly. It was amazing. We read the story. Just that every time Abraham acted, we put somebody else ahead of himself. God appeared and blessed him. Extraordinarily, you know, like extravagantly, God blessed him. So I trust that you guys walk in a blessing as well. So in Genesis 13.10, you can stick that up for me, Robbie. It says, and life lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, the problem is, what he didn't realize is that this beautiful land was, that looked so incredible, inviting and enticing that he wanted to own was heading to a place of absolute destruction. It was filled with sin and evil. I mean, like, so bad. It was so bad that God himself came from heaven. He said, I've received reports on how bad it is in Sodom and Gomorrah. I've come to see myself. Now, you would think that God in heaven would see this. But he decided to come down. I think he, he chose the moment. Now I'm ex, being ex, creative in my thinking. He chose the moment to come and meet personally with Abram. Abram at that stage. He sat around a campfire with Abram and met with him. While two of them went off to Sodom and Gomorrah. Anyway, Genesis 13, 13 says this. Now the men of Sodom were wicked. Great sinners against the Lord. But that didn't concern Lot. And it's like us. You know, we see something and it doesn't concern us. Like, you know, that's what everybody's doing at the moment. It's all right. As long as I don't do it. And we get very close to the person. It's okay, you know. It's all right if Carl does it. But later on, because he smokes, I start stinking, stinking like a cigarette. Or if he coughs on me like that, I'm going to get covered. You see, it looked so attractive to them that they decided he, to, to Lot that he took his family and said, okay, we're going to go and live there. And it didn't take long for him to be there because he got excited from external ex appearances. You know, I love that story with, with uh, David as well when, when um, who was it was sent to anoint him, um, Samuel. Samuel went to anoint him. Where's all your sons? And he brings all the sons out. Tall, dark, and handsome Carl. Beautiful like Brett. Strong like Mornay. And none of them passed the grade. They all looked good. They ate so well. And they had the best clothes and robes on. And the Lord said to Samuel, none of them. And they had to go and find this runt. 
looking after the sheep called David. And look, you can imagine the brothers standing all puffed up and that saying, but look at us. I'm told I can handsome. I should have been there. I'm, I look like a million dollars. I feel like a million dollars. Surely I should have been picked. But God didn't. He sought after man after his own heart. So Lot not only lived near to Sodom, he eventually became a leader in Sodom because he was found at the gates of Sodom. And in those days, you know, you had to be a gatekeeper, meant you were a leader. So he became part of the system. He became part of the culture. He was living in this place that was rife with sin. And we are living in a place rife with sin at the moment. Yes? There's nothing that's outside of these four walls. And there's nothing inside of some of our hearts that is corrupt and filled with sin at the moment. But we're able to tolerate that. In Genesis 19, you can see how he made many compromises. I don't, there's not, no scripture for this. But the two angels came down as the Lord was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And they said, you better leave now. So he said, no, come in, dine, sleep with me, and I'm going to cook a meal for you guys because you're honorable guests. I need you to stay with me. And as he brought the two angels, who obviously appeared as men, into his home, the, the people of the town heard that there was two strange men there. And they ran, and they beat on the door, and they said, give us these two men. We want to have sex with them. And he said, no, no. Please, these are my honorable guests. Oh, that's the first noble thing that he said, is that these are my noble guests. But one thing, one compromise he made, he says, whoa, I'm a man of God. And my Lord will strike you down if you do not back off. But no, what he did was, this was a serious compromise that he made. Listen, I've got two virgin daughters here. Use them. Use them. Compromise. Kept his mouth shut. And in the end, Sodom was destroyed and Lot was saved by the skin of his teeth. The angel said to him, you and all your relatives, go find them and bring them out. He didn't have any relatives living in Sodom or Gomorrah. But he had two future son-in-laws. And when they went to go and call the two son-in-laws, they said, oh, no, man, you're joking. Nobody's going to destroy this place tomorrow. If I had to say to you tonight or this afternoon, God's going to destroy this place tomorrow. If you don't repent, you're going to say, Kim, surely not. What have you been smoking? We don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. This is the fear, the tension that we should be walking in. But at the same time, knowing that our hearts have been cleansed, purified because of Jesus Christ and his blood that has cleansed us, that we can walk with a firm confidence that he will take care of us. But how close to sin are we walking? So Lot eventually lost everything, including his wife, and landed up settling in a very small village. So from being the peacock one day, he was the feather duster the next day. He went from zero to zero. Do you like the front, From riches to rags. We normally say from rags to riches. It's the other way around. He went from riches to rags. He, you know, he had everything. You know, if you actually go back into 
and read the story of Lot. I mean, he had as many camels, donkeys, horses, sheep as Abraham did. He amassed riches. He was a nephew of Abraham, but yet at the same time, when he left, when they separated, he has had as many livestock, slaves, and everything as Abraham had. And when he left Sodom and Gomorrah, he left with his two daughters and his wife. So there are four little life lessons that I'd like to share with you about the reality of sin and its consequences. So if the first one is beware of the progression of sin in your life. Most Christians don't intend to become Sodom. None of us want to become Sodom or Gomorrah. Lot never intended to make Sodom his own. And he didn't want to be included, but, you know, there's something that drags you in. It drags you in before you realize you're in hook, line, and sinker. And sometimes we make, as I said, our home so close to it. And we don't, we're not prepared to take that giant leap or step away from where we are skating at the moment. Charles Spurgeon said this, if you're going to be saved, be saved 100%. You're either in or you're out. Don't say, you're like, I'm saved, but I'm not saved. I think I'm saved, but I can still do this. God's going God's to be all right. You know, His grace covers me. Da, 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 da. No, if you're saved, you're saved. And God wants us to be obedient to this. The most miserable person in the world is a half-committed Christian who is just enough in the world to be miserable in God and just enough in God that they're miserable in the world. Have you ever seen happy Christians? Only in Josh Jen. Some of us. But really, honestly, you look at, look at, look at Steve over there. He's like a long face. Eh? <laughs> I love you, Steve. Now, seriously, a lot of Christians, eh? a lot of Christians walk around like gloom and doom. Eh? I mean, oh, woe is me. If I knew I could go out and party with everybody, then I'd like to be part of the crowd. Well, no, I just want to be like the serious religious type of folk that, you know, can't enjoy life, can't enjoy Jesus, can't enjoy my life as a Christian. So I'm actually quite miserable. You know, nobody wants to hang out with me anymore. So your heart becomes filled with salt. And not in a good way. You become filled with dryness. There's no water flowing. And you're lifeless. Just like Lot's wife became. She became lifeless when she looked over her shoulder. The worst thing you can do is to try, try and straddle two opinions. I'm going to jump on the stage here quickly. You can take two options. You can either be in. Or you can go like this. I'm going to have one foot on you. And one foot over there. This is the sin side. I don't want to fall off or break my knee. Or you can stand near the Christian side. I'm rooted solidly in Jesus Christ, and this is where I'm going to stay. I don't want to walk on this edge like this all the time. Sam, catch me. But that's what a lot of us are doing at the moment. We're walking on that line. Doing a balancing act. You have to make up your mind. Who do you really want to be? Who do you really want to belong to? If it's with the world, go there 100%. If it's with God, go there 100%. You know, Jesus said, 
to the rich man. I was going to read it off uh, Matthew 19, 17, 20, 22. He said to him, why do you ask me what is good? Rob, you can stick that up. There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, so you responded, the rich man. Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's six out of the ten commandments. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He wasn't prepared to give up the nice things. I'm not saying that you have to give up the nice things in life, but those nice things, what I'm talking about, are the things that are wrenching your heart away from being 100% in God. You're wrestling and saying, Lord, am I in? Where am I at? I can't, listen, I've got a, it's a hot day today. I mean, it really is. And yesterday was even warmer. But wouldn't it have been much better being on the beach right now, kite surfing or lying there next to the cool ocean breeze and instead of listening to me, would have been much better. Amen? No, thanks, Carl. I love you. See, I've got one fan, eh? <laughs> but you know how many people? There was a guy in, our, in Josh Jen who left us. And he was a devout Christian. I wouldn't say he's not anymore. But, I mean, he, we really believed he loved the Lord. I mean, he was an elder of the Lord. He pastor the church, and he was amazing. Until one day, there was a bit of salt in his heart. And he left us, and he joined another church, and we watched these guys who leave us, or they leave the church with an offense, some saltiness. They become dry in their hearts. And he took up marathon running. And so the church that he's in at the moment, we ask, how is he doing? So we never see him anymore. So why? He's so occupied with marathon running. See, that's become an idol in his life. That, that thing, he's now, I wouldn't say sinning against the Lord, but he's using that as a preference over the things of the Lord. I would say that's sin. It's become an idol in his life. I'd rather go running on a Sunday morning than to spend time with God and his people. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints, the word says. But uh, no, a marathon. Let me just go running. No, I'll, I'll get the five o'clock service. Five o'clock comes. Oh, no, I'm too tired. It's hot. I'm hot and bothered. I'm not going to do it. The second point is that the coming judgment is real. So God had warned Sodom and Gomorrah about the coming judgment. And everyone brushed it off as unreal and went back to partying. So I can stand here. Hey, guys. If there's any impurity in your heart tonight, I don't know why I'm going all croaky. Must be this mic. If there's any sin in your heart, repent. And there's a blessing in repentance. I don't know if I've preached that to you before, but there's, it's good news to repent. Repentance opens the curtain, the doorway into the throne room of God, where you, where you can walk up to the throne to God. 
and He'll hold you, and you can call Him Abba Father. But without repentance, the confession of your sins and repentance, you can't get access to the throne room. So there's a blessing. There's joy in repentance. And when you repent, God says, I'll take your sins and I'll cast them away as far as east is from west. So why, do you, why don't you want to repent? But if I say to you, judgment's coming. You need to repent. That's what John, the message of John the Baptist had. Repent! For the end is near. And people scoffed at him. And who's this guy? Wearing camel skins and eating locusts. God makes no empty promises. And so as per Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment came. And God tells us he's slow in executing judgment to give people space to repent. But don't confuse his slowness with his absence. Don't confuse his slowness with absence. See, God's a merciful and graceful God. He's giving each one of us an opportunity to come right with him. But he's also given, given each one of us a purpose and a plan. And it's not just, just to sit on your behinds. There's a purpose and a plan for every single one of us that's here today. Hebrews 9.27 says this. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We're all going to die. And we're all going to be judged. And your day is numbered. It's a frightening thought. You know, before you were born, Psalm 139 says, your days were written in the book of life. From day one to day 89.3.1. And that day I'll die. I don't know. God's got it in his book of life. Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century American theologian, said this regarding, regarding, listen to this, God's teaching on hell. It's quite sobering when you read this. Imagine yourself cast into a fairy oven, almost like what we're in at the moment, glowing with heat. And imagine that your body was going to lie there for a quarter of an hour, for 15 minutes, full of fire, inside and out. And you'll feel it in every fiber of it in your whole time. What horror would you feel at the entrance of such a person? And how long would that quarter of an hour seem to you? But what if you knew you must lie there enduring that torment in its fullness for 24 hours? So like you're going into a CAT scan. But instead of it being a thing like boom, boom, taking x-rays on you, it's a furnace, and you're alive. And you've got to go in there, and this thing's blazing hot, white hot. And every single fiber of your body, every muscle, every sinew, every nerve, just being scorched by this heat. So just imagine that for 15 minutes. Then imagine it for half an hour. Imagine it for one hour, that your body's going to endure that. He says, the worst is. He says, but wouldn't your heart sink if you knew you must bear it forever and ever? That's hell. I wouldn't like to be there. Based on today, this is a party in comparison. So now, here's the money line for this one. The greatest hypocrisy of all time is saying that you believe in heaven and hell. And you're not doing 
any, anything and everything you can to keep those you care for about going there. So you know hell is real, amen? Who doesn't know that hell is real? Anybody in here? Just, okay. So hell is real. So now you know about it. You got your get out of hell card in your back pocket. And the greatest hypocrisy is when you're not doing anything about it. About your friends, about your family, about your colleagues. You just like, let them burn. Turn and burn. Let's look at Genesis 19, 24 to 26, Robbie. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants, so every single person, and all what grew on the ground. Everything was burnt. But then Lot's wife looked back. She was still interested in what was in the world. She looked back. I miss that lifestyle. And some of us that have come out of the world sometimes look back over our shoulders and say, if I can have one more puff, let me go there quickly. One more shot, one more drink, or one more exquisite computer screen. Let me just do that once more. Just looked over our shoulders. You're going to become that pillar of salt. The third point is you cannot drift into godliness. See, living for Jesus in this life that we're living in and the culture that we're living in today will always be an uphill battle. You can't glide and slide into spirituality or into Christianity. You can't. It's a battle. You've got to fight. You've got to get on your knees daily. You've got to pray to God. You've got to study God's word. You've got to watch your heart. You've got to guard your thoughts. You've got to... God, your eyes, you've got to protect yourself and cover yourself. Be accountable to people. Because the world's lures are out there, like tentacles, reaching out to grab you and lure you back in, to pull you back in. The word says the devil is like a hungry lion, crouches at the door just to grab you back into his kingdom. See, everything in the world today, believe me, is trying to pull you right back into it right now. To go with Jesus, you have to swim against the tide. Matthew 17, 13 to 14 says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But those who enter it by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, but those who find it are few. So you, you can take the easy road. It's going to be very easy. Life's a breeze. You know, it doesn't matter if you make compromises. But to get through that narrow gate, you're going to make many sacrifices in your life. You're going to have to make some hard choices. You're going to have to say no to many things. You're going to have to say no to friends. You're going to have to say no to relatives. I remember when we got saved, I mean, I'd, I'd still like to believe that I'm, I'm radically reborn. And when we got saved, my daughter, the little granddaughter, she was probably a year or two years old at that stage. She had a birthday party and it happened to be on a Sunday. 
And I said, we're having a birthday party on Sunday for Carly. It's a second birthday. And we said, sorry, we're going to church. And they're like, what? It's your granddaughter. I said, no, it's our granddaughter. We'll come after church. She said, no ways. No, we love God more than we love our granddaughter. That was an insult of note to them. Eh? So we got there, and the place had already been cleaned out. I don't even think they saved us a cupcake. Don't say shame. But you see, we could have chosen the easy way, the wide road. We didn't. And in time, my kids realized that we will not compromise on the things that the Lord has called us to do. So they moved the birthday parties. They fell on Sundays to Saturday afternoon so we could attend. Because we are modeling something of somebody who's absolutely surrendered to God. You see, you're either in or you're out. You can't dangle on the edge and say, I'm semi-in, I'm semi-out. God wants us to be all in. See, if you're drifting at the moment, let me tell you why. It's because you're not actively seeking God and reading His Word. That's a problem today. I'm too busy. I haven't got time to read God's Word. I really am. I can't find time. You know, praying. I can't, you know, really, where, where must I find time to pray? Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll pray on my way to work. That's something. And you wonder why there's compromises in your life. Sometimes you'll be wondering why you're facing uphill battles and struggles in your life. Because that five-minute prayer in the car. He's Father God. He's not Father Christmas. To give you good gifts every time you ask. But the prayers of a righteous person are answered. If I'm spending quality time with the Lord, I'm filled with faith and I believe that He's God, He's faithful, He's true, and He will answer that prayer. Not in my time, but in His time. You see, and it's also not because you just reject the Bible. Let me tell you what consumes you is this thing. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, games. This keeps you away from spending your time with God. You see, when you're looking at this thing, I'd like you to remember this. Every time you look at Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or YouTube, just let it run across your thought process, in your heart, in your mind. Sodom. I'm not going to say any more. You see, the more time you spend on this, who knows, how many, how many hours, Adam, you should know this, how many hours does the average person spend on their phone a day? How many? Eight hours a day, on average. Yeah. Looking at their phone. It's crazy. You don't think you look at the average person lifts up their phone in excess of 5,000 times a day. Like this. Oh, let me just check. I think I felt a buzz. You know, eventually you get a permanent buzz in your leg over here. And you think it's your phone. And you start, you see people walking around. Where's my phone? Serious. We're addicted to this thing. Nothing wrong with them. I love technology. But you see, this thing. Cause us to drift, drift. We've lost the time. I've been following a lot of what's happening in America, politics, 
Twitter, and you get consumed in this. And before you, you realize it, there's two hours just gone by. I'm following these Twitter feeds, what's happening with Biden and Cruz and all those guys. And you know what? It's two hours wasted. Two hours that I could have spent on my knees with the Lord. What's this, Steve? <laughs> I wouldn't answer it. See, you'll never drift. You'll never drift. You'll never slide into spiritual maturity. You'll never drift into it. It takes effort. You know, if you want to look like Sam, it takes work, eh, Sam? Absolutely. It doesn't come naturally. Hey, Sam. Heck no, you work hard for that body, eh? Yeah. You see, it doesn't come naturally. He didn't just slide into looking like this tall, dark, and handsome gentleman with this beautiful body. Slick. That's his new name. This doesn't come naturally either. It takes effort to eat so much food. Okay, let's just look at this. I'm, gonna, I'm nearly finished. One more point. <laughs> I love you too. Jude chapter 1, verse 17 to 23. This is the New Testament version, and I'm uh, of Lot reading out of the New Living Translation quickly. We read this last night as, as a matter of interest. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. I mean, my heck, you don't have to look further than outside of our house to see this today. They told you that in the last times, I'm sorry, these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. I desire that every single person that's sitting here right now is filled with the Holy Spirit. That will be your anchor from moving away from the things of the Lord. That will be your thing that will quench the thirst when you get thirsty and hungry for the Word of God. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. That's what Brett did tonight. He built these guys up, Victor and Lorinda. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and wait the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. If you're sitting here thinking that your life exists until you die, forget it. There's eternity to come, which as you know is far greater than you'll ever be able to perceive, see, or acknowledge. You can't measure eternity. In this way, you'll keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. See, the word here, don't condemn the person that sinned. Hate the sin. Love the person. Love believes the best. Help bring them through. Because you don't want to see this person burnt in hell. Or condemned to the jaws of hell. The fourth point and final point is this. Become an Abraham to the lots in your life. Become an Abram to the lots. There's plenty of lots walking around. When Lot hesitated while fleeing Sodom, 
the angel seized his hand, Genesis 19, 16, seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside of the city, for the Lord was merciful. Now, why would the angel grab Lot's hand? He's a reluctant goer. Many of us are reluctant, but the angels grabbed him. Let me grab you. Come! And he pulled him out. He says, get out of here. If you stay here, you're going to die. You're right. Need healing. But why did the angels of the Lord have to do this? Why did the angels of the Lord have to do this? Look at verse 1929. But God... Okay, it's the wrong verse. Genesis 19.29. said it. But God had listened to Abram's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. Not there. See, it wasn't. God didn't save Lot because he was Lot. He saved Lot because? No. God saved Lot because Abram prayed for him. Remember, Abram got on his knees and he said to God, God, if there are 50 righteous people, will you save one person? And God said, if there's one, I will save 50. Only if there's one. And he said, but God, if there's 40, he says, if there's 40, I will save them. But 30, Lord, if there's 30, would you save them? He says, if there's 30, I'll save them. 20, Lord. If there's 20, I'll save them. And then eventually he landed on 10. He said, Lord, if there's only 10, would you save them? And God looked down on Sodom. He sent his angels down and he grabbed Lot. He said, come, you and your relatives, find them. The two son-in-laws stayed behind because they thought we were joking. And he grabbed them and he said, come. And they dragged them out of Sodom. And then the fear of God hit Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed it. Why? Because Abram prayed for the person. And our role, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, is the same. To pray consistently and persistently for God to keep those who we know and love not just safe, but faithful. This is where accountability comes in. Belinda, I've noticed you haven't been spending enough time in the Word. I've noticed that you haven't come up here and shared a prophetic word in a while. You look like you're spiritually dying at the moment. How can I help you? Can we come together and have a little prayer meeting? I want to encourage you. We'll bring some cake. She makes the best cake in the world. See, we need to encourage one another daily. We need to pray for those who we love. I'd like to ask you this. Who are you praying for at the moment? Is there somebody in your heart that you pray for every single day? I pray for all the elders every single day. I pray for MZ Silly every day. I pray for M, MZ Lee Wilcott in um, Muscle Bay. I pray for Alan Prilla every day. I pray for Brett every day. Lord, help me. <laughs> so there are a number of people that I will pray for daily, but the most... Three most important people that I pray for in my life are my three kids. 
because they don't know Jesus. Now of the age to make their own minds up, my eldest uh, is 50 this year, my second is 48 and 46 years old. Lord, thank you, Brett, please open their eyes of their hearts that, he, that they may see you. Take the scales of their eyes, Lord. Let them see something in me which is attractive that you have created so that they may believe and follow you. My daily prayer is that each one of them, Samantha, Tamsin, and Shannon, Lord, you know them by name. And if I start praying for them, Lord, I know there's other people that will take that baton. Jim, I'm going to pray. One day you die, I'm going to pray for your kids. And I'll keep on praying until they get saved. Brett, thanks. You got my back on this one, eh? From today, eh? But the nice thing about all of this, you and I need to look no further than the one. The one. And there's one righteous and he's all together perfect and lovely that God says we can pray in his name and for his sake, God hears our prayers. See, our friends, our siblings, our parents, whoever it is on a we have said our love. If we carry their names to God through the name of Jesus Christ, He hears us. I have faith, as I stand here in front of you tonight, that my kids will know God. They will love Him. They will serve Him. They will worship Him. might not be in my lifetime, but I'm trusting. I have faith because I'm praying. Jesus, you are the righteous one. All power belongs to you. And Jesus did this for you and I. He prayed for us. He came after you. Now, it's your turn to do it for others. Go into the world. He says, all authority has been given to me. The same authority, the same power that Jesus Christ has lives inside you right now. Because Jesus is in you. Go into the nations and make disciples preaching the good news, baptizing them, fellowshipping with them, loving them, getting together in each other's homes, praising Jesus Christ. Amen? What I wanted to do now is that for some of us, we've been skating on the line. I'm not all committed. I'm partly committed. But tonight, I want to ask you to make that decision. In the Lord, not to Kim, not to Brett, not to the elders inside this congregation, but to the Lord. Lord, you know my heart. Search my heart right now. I'm going to make the decision, Lord. I want to be all in. I don't want to be like those others that said, Lord, if I follow you and you turn around and said, will you give, give up that? No, no, Lord. Sorry, I would rather carry on with this. Will you give up this? No, Lord. Sorry, I, I can't give up that either. Or you're going to say, Lord, you know the truth, the very truth. I will follow you. I can get nothing else that you have from anybody or anything. My commitment is to follow you 
all the days of my life. Some of us have erred. I can't do that. I can't make community. I can't read Bible. I can't pray that often. I'm just doing a little bit of this on the side that nobody knows about. God searches our hearts and He knows us. And there's some of us who don't know Jesus. And we like, Kim, what's this all about? You come here with this, like, sounds like a heavy message. It's a reality, it's the truth. And to me, this is a good way to start the year. We should say, Lord, 2022 is going to be the year of the Lord. We want to see the most amazing things happening in our congregations. Brett wants to see, witness, experience signs, miracles, and wonders. We want to see you guys performing signs, miracles, and wonders. We want to see the people yield. We want to see sickness run. We want to see many people come to know the Lord. We want this place to shine Jesus. Every one of you needs to illuminate His love as you walk out of here. But if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, it's not going to be possible. I'm not sure if there's anybody here that hasn't made a commitment to the Lord, to Jesus. I prefer heaven than hell. I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. You are the only way, the truth, and the life. I pick you. I'd rather be on that side of the fence than that side. Because only one side of the fence wins. The other side, darkness loses. So if there's anybody, just quickly stick up your hand and love to pray with you. Don't be embarrassed. This could be the best moment, instant of your life. I remember giving my life to the Lord back in October 2003. A radical encounter with Jesus. I never thought I'd stick my hand up in a church, let alone attend a church. I was an atheist and I was sitting at the back door. And as soon as the pastor said amen, I was going to be the first out because I was dragged there by my wife. But God did something radical inside my heart and He spoke to me. And both my wife and I made a commitment on the same day. I can tell you this that my life has never been the same since. Have we had ups and downs? Absolutely, plenty. Have we had crises? Many. But what a joyous ride it has been. I could not be happier now than I've ever been before. No matter how much money I had in the past, all the good times, all the cars mean nothing. That was Rubbish in the eyes of the Lord. But what I've got now is a family that I love. You guys. People that we can trust. People that we can be accountable to. People that can speak into our lives and tweak us, tune us. People that we know love us. Like Carl and Delia. These guys come to our house quite frequently. I don't know if you guys know that. I was just kite surfing in the area. We decided to pop in for a cup of coffee. Never seen Ike drink so much coffee in my life. Eh? Like, geez. I love these people, man. I love you guys. 
And that heart wouldn't have been the same if I was still in the world. What are you doing in my house? What do you want? Come buy your own coffee, man. You come for another beer. Okay, let's have a dope. That's a different story. So for us, we are Christians. I'll ask that question again. If you want to make that commitment tonight, 2022 is going to be a radical year. I'm not going to be afraid. I'd rather be excited. But I want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. I want to be a participant. In order to be a participant, I'm going to say, yes, Lord. I'm going to stand now and say, Lord, I'm in. 100%. You're either in or you're out. Today is the day, Lord. I'm going to put a stake in the ground. If that's you, stand up. Say, Lord, I'm in. I want to make a difference. Not only in my life, my family's life, but in my community's life. My community's life, the city's life. The city's life, this country's life. We want to be a people that are sent into the nations where many people, many people, Lord, get saved. Amazing thing is that we had many people from America, the Netherlands, Holland, Zambia, Bloemfontein. Canada, and they, they come in, they look at what we're doing, and they're saying, we've never seen anything like this. We're going to take back what we've seen and experienced here, back into America, into Canada, into the Netherlands, and the people are crying. If you had witnessed what we witnessed, we take it for granted. They're crying, big men, probably as big as Jody, a little bit wider, you know, like that guy there, that big gentleman over there, Wayne, come on, don't, don't, I've never seen this in my life, please, you got to come over, hey Brett, crying like a baby, because God is so good and what he's doing in our hearts, what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in Joshua's generation, what he's going to be doing in us and through us into the nations is amazing. And you guys that are standing said, Amen, Lord. I'm making a statement. I want Brett and the eldest to look around now at the moment. Every one of you, look who's standing. You're going to hold them to account when they start sliding. You can say, Remember that day when Kim was here? You guys stood up and said, Pick me, Lord. I'm in. 100% in. Can't do it. Chicken, the guy's a chicken. <gasps> no, you can't hold that against me. <laughs> so just close your eyes. Lord, I want to thank you for these people that have made a statement by standing up tonight and saying tonight, Lord, I'm in. 100% in. Lord, I want to take the things that have taken time away from me. And put them back into hearing you, that still small voice. I want to take that time that has been robbed by the enemy or stolen from me by the enemy. And start looking at your word. Spending time speaking to you. Creating and forming this wonderful relationship that a father has with a son and a daughter. I want to hear Jesus 
I want to be part of what Jesus is doing in my life. I want to be part of what Jesus is doing amongst us as a congregation. Lord, we want to see you move. We want the power of the Holy Spirit to fall in this place. We want us, Lord, when the people gather, to sense that there's something different in this place, Lord. Lord, it is your presence, it is your anointing that the people come in here and say, what has happened here? What is going on here? And they will turn the city upside down, Lord. Not by our will, Lord. Not by our might. Nor by chariots or by horses, but by your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your spirit falls upon us right now. That we will be courageous warriors for you. Lord, your word says you have filled us with a spirit of courage and boldness, not that of fear and timidity. I pray, Lord, that every single person that's standing tonight is filled with that spirit of courage and boldness. The book of Revelation, I think it's the second last chapter, 27, says cowards will not enter into heaven. You will be given an opportunity to witness to somebody. And you're going to chicken out. So I haven't got the guts to, to speak to this person about my faith, my Jesus. That's when you're on the edge now. And you walk away. And that person is going to go somewhere where you don't want to go. So I'm going to pray, Lord, fill them with that spirit. That nothing is going to stand in your way. The impression of man, the looks of man, the frown of man mean nothing in terms of what you're going to be doing in and through and through us to that person. Give us that courage to lead them into your kingdom, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name, Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks, Britt.